from Tokyo, Japan and New Plymouth, New Zealand. This is Down to Business English with your hosts, Skip Montreux and Samantha Vega. Follow that Silicon Valley bank meltdown story in the news, Skip? Oh, you bet I did, Samantha. Pretty incredible stuff. It's not every day that we see a major financial institution fail like that. It's scary to think about the ripple effects this could have on the tech industry and beyond. It also shows why it is important to have solid banking regulations in place to prevent these kinds of crises. Regulations are one thing true, but there is much more to the story than just the lack of regulations. Human nature and bad management played a big role in it as well. Mm, good point. But I don't want to go down a rabbit hole because the Silicon Valley bank failure is not our business news story today. No, it's not. We will report on the Silicon Valley bank failure in depth in the very near future. I just want to see how things play out over the next little while. But we will be covering SVB on Down to Business English, though. Yes, we definitely will. Good. Today's business news story is coming to us from the Pacific Northwest city of Seattle in the U.S. Not so far away from Silicon Valley, geographically speaking. Not so far away, no. And like Silicon Valley Bank, which is or which was a big player in the tech industry, this story is also connected to the tech industry. That's right. While SVB was involved on the startup side of the tech industry, this story has more to do with the IT side. Specifically, IT workers working for established companies in the industry like Google, Cisco and Microsoft. Those are some of the names, yes. Recently, Seattle became the very first city in the United States to ban caste discrimination. It is a groundbreaking law that aims to protect people who have immigrated from primarily India, but other South Asian countries as well, to protect them from discrimination based on the caste system. Because so many IT workers in the U.S. originate from India, caste discrimination has, unfortunately, immigrated along with them. And with tech giants like Microsoft and Amazon having a large employee footprint in Seattle, this law will have a significant impact. It will. So, let's do it. Let's get D2B down to business with the anti-caste discrimination law in Seattle. What is the caste system? Why has caste discrimination become an issue in the United States? And how are businesses and companies dealing with it? Skip, for our listeners who may not be familiar with the caste system, can you give us a synopsis of what it is? The caste system is a rigid social hierarchy that grew out of the Hindu religion and has been ingrained in many South Asian societies for thousands of years. It came from Hinduism? It did. And when you say it is part of the South Asian societies, which countries are you talking about? Primarily India, 
but also Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, and Bhutan. So not just India. Not just India. And its purpose? Originally, caste was used as a way to divide societies along the lines of profession. But it morphed into a system of dividing societies into social classes, or castes. And how many castes are there? If I'm not mistaken, there are five. My understanding is that there are the Brahimins at the top. These are the priests and academics. The next caste is made up of administrators and the military, followed by tradesmen, farmers, and merchants. Below that would be manual laborers, and at the very bottom is the Dalit caste. These are menial workers who do all of the dirty work in society. The Brahim caste at the top and the Dalit caste at the bottom. Yes. It reminds me of the feudal system in Europe during the Middle Ages, with the king at the top, nobles, knights, and bishops in the middle, and peasants at the bottom. There are similarities, no doubt. Now, when India became an independent country in 1947, their new constitution prohibited discrimination based on the caste system. But simply writing a new law doesn't change things overnight. No. The caste system and the discrimination that went along with it persisted and continues today. So how did this system, with its roots in South Asia, take hold in the U.S.? I mean... Why has it become an issue in Seattle? That is a good question. Going back to India for a moment, one way the government tried to eliminate caste discrimination over the years was through affirmative action. Affirmative action. In other words, the government put policies in place aimed at increasing the representation of the lower castes in society. That's right. Policies like quotas where businesses and educational institutions needed to fill a certain number of positions with people from lower castes. For example, IITs needed to give a certain number of spots to students from the lower castes. IITs? IIT stands for Indian Institute of Technology. Ah, tech schools. Not just simple tech schools. IITs are a network of over 20 super-competitive, government-funded colleges. This network serves as the basis for India being such a powerhouse in information technology around the world today. I was reading someplace recently that the U.S. tech sector counts India as the top source of skilled foreign labor. That is absolutely true. And as IT workers emigrated from India to take jobs in the tech industry, the caste system came along with them. Mm. Thus it became a problem outside of South Asia, in places like Seattle or Silicon Valley. Yes, unfortunately. According to a survey from Equality Labs, an organization dedicated to ending caste-based discrimination, 67% of Dalits, the lowest of the five castes, living outside of India, say they have experienced unfair treatment and outright harassment in the workplace from colleagues and superiors who are from a higher caste. 67%. That's very high. It is high, but I need to point out 
that this particular survey has come under a lot of criticism for their survey methods. Criticisms? Over what? The biggest criticism was that they used a very small sample size. Only 1,500 people took part in the survey. That isn't a very large pool, especially compared to an Indian diaspora population of approximately 5 to 6 million in the U.S. And most of the respondents in the survey were anonymous. Yes. A small and anonymous survey base would certainly call the 67% figure into question. Regardless, this survey was used as the basis for many universities to introduce anti-caste discrimination policies. The first being Brandeis University in 2019, with the California State University system and Brown University following suit. Okay, that is on the academic front. What about U.S. businesses? With so many tech companies hiring workers from India, they must be taking steps to prevent caste discrimination. Yes and no. Apple, for instance, they upgraded their employee conduct policies in 2020 to prohibit discrimination based on caste. But other companies like Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and Meta do not specifically mention caste. Why wouldn't they want to include anti-caste discrimination policies? It seems like a reasonable thing to do. They say that their current employee conduct guidelines which prohibit discrimination based on race, gender, age, and religion, well, they think they are sufficient enough. So they feel they don't need to specifically mention caste. That's right. But there is a pending case happening in California at the moment that highlights the problem with this. In 2020, the California government's Civil Rights Department took Cisco Systems to court on behalf of a lower caste engineer. This engineer alleges he was excluded from meetings and denied promotions because he is a member of the delete caste. Pretty serious allegations. And how does this case highlight the problem? Cisco is taking the position that the Civil Rights Department in California does not have the right to sue them because caste is not a legally protected class in California. Unlike gender, race, age, and religion, which are written into the laws, caste isn't. I see. They are fighting it on a technicality. Pretty much, yes. And you say this case is pending. It hasn't been settled? No, not yet. Cisco was trying to push it into arbitration in order to settle it out of court, but that motion was quashed by a judge last summer, and the case is proceeding. So clearly, if caste discrimination is a problem in the U.S., it is important that laws specifically address it. And that is why groups like Equality Labs are overjoyed with what happened in Seattle in February this year. On February 21st, Seattle City Council approved an ordinance in a vote of six to one to include caste as a protected class. That's right. The law explicitly prohibits caste discrimination in employment, housing, public accommodations, and other arenas, and allows caste-oppressed people in the city to file formal complaints of discrimination. 
And since that law was passed in Seattle, a lawmaker in the state of California's Senate has introduced a bill that would outlaw caste discrimination. So it looks like this movement is gaining steam. It does. But it has its opponents as well. How can anyone be opposed to anti-discrimination laws? Well, there are some that accuse the proponents of this movement, Equality Labs in particular, as being socialists. And that they are just using this issue to attack big corporations like Google, Microsoft, Cisco, and the like. That seems a little bit of a conspiracy theory. And then there is the Hindu American Foundation, who, although they condemn caste discrimination, they criticize the Seattle City Council for singling out South Asians and for putting them under additional legal scrutiny. Well, I'm all for hearing both sides of the story, but I don't think this is an issue that can be ignored. If caste is a problem, maybe it is the problem, so to speak. I agree. And on that note, I think it is time for us to get D2V down to vocabulary. Do you find down-to-business English helpful in your English studies? Consider becoming a D2B member today to learn and retain even more words, phrases and expressions used by native English speakers in professional situations. What do you get with a D2B membership plan? First, bonus content in the form of exclusive members-only D2B episodes. Second, expanded D2V or down-to-vocabulary episodes that accompany each public episode of Down to Business English. Third, full access to the entire library of D2B audio scripts, all the way from Season 1, Episode 1, to our most recent D2B episode. And on top of all of that, D2B members receive automatic email delivery of audio scripts for recently released episodes. No longer will there be the need to go through the time-consuming process of visiting the website, logging into your account, locating an episode, and then downloading the audio script file. Interested in becoming a D2B member? Visit the Down to Business English website and click on the membership link at the top of the page to sign up and start enjoying these benefits today. Our first word on down to vocabulary today is the phrase in depth. That's two words, in and depth, not one word. I am very glad you pointed that out, Samantha, because it is a common mistake that even native English speakers make. When you do something in depth, you are doing it in a very detailed way, or you are doing it completely. In the introduction of our report today, Skip said that we will report on the Silicon Valley Bank story in depth in the near future. In other words, we are going to report on every detail related to that story. I want to mention two other points about the phrase in depth. First, like Samantha just pointed out, in depth is two words. And many people make the mistake of using this phrase as an adverb in emails. This is a mistake. 
It is two words. I've also seen emails where people write in-depthly. That is a mistake as well. It is. This is very much a mistake because there's no such word in English as in-depthly. The second point I want to make is that the adjective form, which is a hyphenated word, is completely okay to use. You write it in hyphen depth. Can you give us an example? I can, as a matter of fact. Next month, I have to submit an in-depth report to the board of directors of my company. My manager told me that the BOD is expecting me to write in-depth about my sales forecast for the fiscal year. An in-depth report, adjective, write in-depth, a two-word phrase. Precisely. This is one time I wish that this was a video podcast so that I could visually show the difference. I guess listeners will just have to check out the audio script. That is a very good idea. The next word on our D2V list is the phrasal verb to put something in place. The phrase in place communicates that some type of law, policy, or rule is functioning or being used. And put in place? When you say something has been put in place, you are saying that some type of authority, like a government or your boss, has introduced a policy in order for something else to happen. At one point in our report, I told Samantha that the Indian government used a policy of affirmative action to try to eliminate caste discrimination. And I rephrased what Skip had told me. I said the government had put policies in place aimed at eliminating caste discrimination. In other words, the Indian government had introduced affirmative action policies. Exactly. Can you give us another example using to put in place in a business situation, Samantha? Sure. As you know, the next G7 meeting is set to take place in Japan in May. I do know that. It has been scheduled to take place in Hiroshima, starting on May 19th, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. And one of the items on the agenda to be discussed is how G7 nations could put stricter regulations in place on cryptocurrencies to improve transparency and to increase consumer protection. That I did not know. Now you do. You should look into it more and perhaps D2B can report on the meeting in general. I most certainly will do that. Good. Our final word on our D2V list today is the verb to allege. A very important word. It is very important. And it comes up a lot in my classes when we are discussing news stories. So you would say that it is a high frequency word. Extremely high frequency. Very, very common especially in professional situations. When you allege something, you are saying something illegal or wrong happened without giving any evidence. What you are saying is a lie? Not a lie, but what you are alleging has not been investigated or studied closely by an independent third party, like the police or a court of law. So when you allege something, you are simply claiming someone has done something wrong or illegal. But until it has been proven by a third party, like the police, 
It is just your opinion. That's right. In our story, I reported on the Cisco engineer who alleges that he was discriminated against because of his caste status. In other words, it is just his claim and the court system needs to investigate the situation. And that situation can be referred to as an allegation, the noun form of allege. Yes, that is an allegation. Can you give us an example using allege or allegation in a business context, Samantha? What immediately comes to mind are the allegations of harassment against actor Jonathan Majors. His girlfriend alleges that he physically abused her in a taxi. Oh, that was breaking news recently. But it's not really related to business. I, I don't know about that. He is a major Hollywood star, and a lot of movie productions are dependent on his image. True. In fact, within a couple of days of the allegations breaking, the U.S. Army, who had been using majors in a national recruitment advertisement, immediately paused the campaign. There you go. A clear business situation. Would you like to help D2B reach more people wanting to improve their business English skills? Be sure to follow D2B on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any place podcasts are found. While you are there, leave a rating and a review and tell everyone how much you enjoy the show. That is our report on the anti-caste discrimination law recently passed in Seattle. Thanks for going through all of that with me, Samantha. Don't mention it, Skip. It was very nice to report on a good news story today. Yes, it was a bit of good news, wasn't it? And we are not finished. No, we aren't. We still have to record the D2B members only bonus vocabulary for today's episode. We do. In the bonus vocabulary, we will cover five more words and phrases that came up in our conversation. And those words and phrases are diaspora, to morph into something, to call something or someone into question, to quash, and to gain steam. D2B members, the bonus vocabulary will be released within 24 hours. So be sure that you are subscribed to your members-only RSS feed so you get it as soon as the episode goes out. And D2B members can get that RSS feed in their membership account on our website. That's right. Just log into your member account on the D2B website, find your members-only RSS feed under the members link section, and paste that into your favorite podcast platform. The URL is downtobusinessenglish.com. That's down to businessenglish.com. And if you are not a member, why don't you sign up today and get access to all the bonus vocabulary and member-only episodes? A great idea. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Take care. Have a comment or question about today's show? 
Don't be shy. Visit the D2B website or Facebook page and post any comments or questions there. Skip, Des or Samantha will be sure to leave a reply. Down to Business English. Business news to improve your business English.